The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. We're starting a new series this morning on Acts, life in the early church. And this series simply is going to be going for, through the first 10 or 12 chapters of Acts. And we're going to be looking at the early church and what they did and, and what they went through. And hopefully in that process, we're going to be learning something and we're going to be challenged about that. So today, we're just going to be looking at the first chapter, chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at it under three headings. Instructions given. Ascension into heaven and constant prayer. Instructions given, ascension into heaven and constant prayer. So for my first point of Acts chapter 1, we look at instructions given. And here, as we enter into Acts chapter 1, then we're entering into this second book, this sequel book, if you like, that Luke has written. So he's already written his book, which was a major success. Actually, we don't know that, but I'm just... Well, it is, because lots of people have bought it subsequently. His first book was the Gospel of Luke. And he ended that first book. So Luke, chapter 24, which is the last chapter, it ends like this. So let me read it to you. Luke 24, starting at verse 45. Uh, And it's talking about Jesus. Jesus talking with his disciples. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised, But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany, and lifting up his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him, and then they returned to Jerusalem, filled with great joy, and they spent all their time in the temple praising God. So that's at the end of Luke. So Luke is finishing off this first book, and now he's getting ready to start his second book. Incidentally, when he says that he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures, the Scriptures that he was talking about was our Old Testament. So this is just an aside, but I did think, look, Jesus was teaching from the Old Testament, which is, of course, why we need to read it. So that's just a throwaway comment thrown in there. And here in his sequel, Luke now starts off with this summary. So let me now go to Acts chapter 1, the first two verses where he says, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, and Theophilus is the man he's writing the second book to, about everything Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. And then from that first statement, and it's all like that connection, if you like, with his previous book, Luke starts off with the second part of his account, which we now know, as the book of Acts. And I know maybe I'm telling you things you already know or not, but the book of Acts essentially is an account of what the disciples did after Jesus had ascended into heaven. 
So it's the account, it's the acts of the apostles, the doings of the apostles. Some say it's the acts of the Holy Spirit, they say that. But as I say, or as I put it, it's life in the early church, life in the early church. Luke goes on to write in Acts chapter 1 verse 3, During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Post-resurrection time for the disciples was different. Pre-resurrection, we know that Jesus had walked with his disciples. They went, away, went around together. They were in all sorts of different places, but they were together virtually every day doing things together for those three years. That's what it was like in the first part. But now we're talking about post-resurrection. This is now after Jesus has been crucified, after he has risen from the dead, and things are different. Jesus is not with them every moment of every day. He comes and goes. He's there sometimes, and then he's gone. So it's completely different. And as Luke says, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. You see, it wasn't every day. It was from time to time. For example, this is an example from John's gospel that he writes to give us an indication to that. It says, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, it says, suddenly Jesus was standing amongst them and he says, peace be with you. You see, Jesus appeared suddenly, and then equally, he disappears again. So he was there some of the time, gone some of the time. So as we say, these post-resurrection meetings with Jesus were different. But one of the things that he wanted to do and impress upon the disciples was, look, this isn't in your minds. I'm real. Touch me. Feel me. Let's eat together. Let's have some interaction. I am alive. Don't let anybody tell you any different. I was dead, but now I am alive. So he wanted to convince them and to show them so that they knew that he was alive. But then Luke also says that he gave them teaching on the kingdom of God. Now I have to say, when I was preparing this, I'm just reading this through and it's like, whoa, I've read that before, but I've not read that in the way of, like Jesus gave them teaching. How interesting. Well, what was that teaching? And you know what? Not all of it, I, I think, has been written down. So I think a number of things that Jesus said, they haven't been written down. But interestingly enough, a number of things that he did teach have been written down. They're just in the Gospels, again, post-resurrection. And they're recorded there for us to give some insight into what he was teaching. What struck me was the knowledge that Jesus didn't just say like, Hey, I'm alive again, and now I'm going back to heaven. He wanted to impart to his apostles... Something about what they were going to be doing, what the future was going to be looking like, what things were going to be happening. He wanted to impress that upon them and give them understanding from scriptures so that they were strong. Because often we get this picture, and it's true to say the disciples were confused and lost when Jesus died. Their hero had gone. The one that had all these expectations were, had been taken from them. They'd seen him cruelly murdered on the cross. But now he was alive. And he's saying, look, guys, it's okay. Peace be with you. And he's sharing with them. And he teaches them things about the kingdom of God so that they can be prepared of what lies ahead. Okay, well, what's some of the things that he teach them? We read of the disciples on the Emmaus Road. 
And they encountered Jesus, if you remember. They didn't recognize him at first. But what did Jesus do? He went over the Old Testament scriptures, including the writings of Moses and all the prophets, and with them explained the scriptures concerning himself and opened their minds to understanding. You know, it's just like Jesus saying, like, have you ever read this? Did you know that this is what it means? This is talking about me and showing himself to them through all of the scriptures. So that's something he did with the two disciples on the Emmaus Road, but he did something similar to the rest of the disciples. Luke 24, verses 44 and 45 says, Then he said, When I was with you before, I told you everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. You see, now when you might read Moses, that is the first five books of the Bible, you're reading the Psalms, you, do you think that actually these things are also talking about the Messiah? These are also preparing me and give understanding. Sometimes we don't always understand that. But Jesus went with the disciples and carefully went over those things so that they could have an understanding of who he was and what he had done and what was yet to happen. Jesus also clearly helped the disciples understand that their role was now going to be witnesses of him here still on the earth. And by witnesses, he didn't tell them they were going to be massive preachers. He just said, you're going to be witnesses. You're going to give account of what you have seen and experienced of me. And again, I just thought about this. You know, so often we say to people, have you shared your faith? Have you done this? Have you done that? And people say, I get worried. I don't know whether I've shared it properly. Did I give three points? Did I tell them about the cross? Did I tell them about resurrection? Have I gone through all the scriptures I need to remember? Stop. He just says, what is it you've experienced about God? What can you tell people about what he's done for you? And each of us have different testimony. Sometimes it seems, well, that's too simple. Keep it simple. People understand simple. People out there are looking for answers of hope. They're looking to hear of how God has changed somebody else that might give them hope that that's what I've been looking for. So when they hear somebody saying like, you know, I used to feel so guilty in my life because of the things that I had done wrong. But when I found Jesus, I found forgiveness and a new peace has come into my life. Well, how long did that take? A few seconds. But what effect it can have on somebody who is looking for peace. On somebody who is looking for forgiveness. And don't pretend that, oh, nobody looks for forgiveness. Everybody is looking to know that peace in their hearts and in their minds. And to know that they're loved and know that they're cared for. And we can express something of that in the witness that we have of what God has done for us. And praise God, the witnesses that we have are many and varied. Because we are many and varied. But we're here, just as those disciples were, to give testimony. And Jesus was wanting to prepare them for the fact that they were going to be his witnesses here on the earth. Matthew 28, verse 19. Therefore go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Here's a familiar verse to us. But remember, the disciples that we're looking at in Acts of the Apostles right now, they have already heard this teaching. You see that? They've had this because Jesus has been sharing things like this with them. So this is now going through their mind. This is going through their thinking. They're hearing this. What Mark reports, Mark 16, verses 15 to 18. Then he told them, so this is again Jesus speaking. 
Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. These are some of the things that Jesus is communicating to his disciples during this time, post-resurrection, before ascension. And I know that they're familiar scriptures, but do you notice when you stop and think about it, how these scriptures are preparing the disciples for the work that is yet to lie ahead of them, the mission field that they were going to go into. And notice how this mission field wasn't just going to be about the Jews, because Jesus had come and spoken to the Jews. But now Jesus is saying to them, by the way, anyone who believes, I hadn't noticed that before, anyone who believes, Jesus is already preparing them for a much bigger scene than just going around Jerusalem. Anyone who believes and make disciples of all nations. And Jesus, of course, gave his disciples the, if you like, the entryway. You will know when people are coming into my kingdom. In fact, if they want to come into my kingdom, anyone who believes and is baptized. So Jesus is also laying out some instructions here. You want to see people respond to this message, they need to believe in the message that is being proclaimed to them. And they need to respond to that by being baptized. We had that baptism just a couple of weeks ago where Victoria was saying, I am a believer and I want to be baptized so that I can come in and be part of the kingdom of God. She's making that declaration those weeks back. Jesus was saying that to his disciples. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. That's what he's preaching. And again, Matthew 28, verse 20. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus wanted during this time to reassure them, listen, I may be going to be going back to heaven, but I'm never going to be leaving you. There are times when we feel like, Jesus, are you here? We have all felt those times. The truth is, he's always there. He knows. The thing with us is in our minds we're struggling to say like, you know this and yet you don't seem to be helping me. And our minds can't work out what God's doing. Well, let me let you into a secret. Our minds are not operating on the same level as God. Our job is to remember that he said, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. And even though it seems rough, and the way ahead seems so dark and so difficult. We must hold on to this truth. He will never leave me because he said he will be with me. And it's a comfort. It was a comfort to those disciples, but it's a comfort to us today. Jesus had fully prepared the disciples with what was going to be their main task for him as he goes back to heaven. They were going to be his witnesses throughout the whole world. Let me just ask you a question. Do you Realize that that's the same instruction given to us. Oh yeah, I, I remember the Great Commission. Let's just forget about what we know and just come back as a we are just simple disciples having been with Jesus. Having understood some of the things of the scriptures that he's taught about that we've spoken about over years before. And what is it, Jesus, you want to do? I want you to go and I want you to tell other people about me. 
Well, who? Everyone. Everyone. Now, in truth, okay, I've known that for years. I've read those scriptures. It's only just more recently that I've become to realize what really counts isn't knowing them. It's doing them. Obeying them. That's a challenge for us. But it's a challenge that we need to take before God and say, God, I'm ending this duality in my life of knowing but not doing. I want you to bring me to a place of knowing and doing. And I'm not sure how that's to happen. Well, don't try and work it out. Just be prepared to give simple witness to what you know that God has done. To what you know that God has done. He's given you peace in those times of discomfort. He has helped you. Last week, problems with being ill. I was in the car driving. I had said to Helen I was feeling a bit rough. This is the shortened version. And uh, I said, I'm feeling faint. So as I said, I'm in the car in a queue of traffic. The next thing I know is I've woken up having fainted. There's confusion going on, cars and hooting, all sorts of stuff going on around me. I'm fine in one sense because I've just been asleep and woken up again. But everybody around me, particularly Helen and my son Henry, were not all right. Because they were in going through this whole scenario. But I look back on it and I think like, thank you Lord. You didn't leave me, you didn't forsake me, you protected me. You kept me. Of course I had to go through that. Of course there's all the scary stuff and, and, you know, and all the sickness that came after us that we won't go into. But God was there. He cared. Now if I try and stop, well, why did you let that happen? I don't know why he let it happen. I don't understand those things. What I know is this, that he overrules and he cares. Now that can be my testimony of what happened last week. Nobody can take that away because it's a truth. God is continually working testimonies in our own lives. It's our job to communicate those to the people that we are around us, our friends, our neighbors. Stop trying to be super religious and do the work of God yourself. Just allow God to do his work through you. That's what we've been called to. But that means that we seek to do the work he's called us to do, which is to be his witnesses wherever we go. That's what the disciples were being asked to do, to be his witnesses wherever they go. So having been through all of these things, Luke goes on to say this, Acts 1 verse 4. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So we've been through this time when Jesus has been teaching, he's been explaining things about what's yet to happen, what they're supposed to be doing, things about the kingdom, entry into the kingdom. He's preparing them for what is lying ahead. And then he says, by the way, guys, please, please, don't leave Jerusalem. You're here in Jerusalem at the moment. Stay in Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift he promised. Oh, by the way, as I've told you before. Well, here it is again. Well, what did you tell us before? See, Jesus is saying, can I just remind you of what I've already told you? Well, what did you tell them, Jesus? Well, we have to go back to look at what is recorded in John's gospel. John 14, 26, Jesus had taught them this. When the Father sends the advocate, in Greek that is parakletos, okay? That's what it means. It's one of the only Greek words I know. And it means another as the same type of me, as my representative. And then John goes on to say, that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Wow. What does the Holy Spirit do? 
He actually is our like a, a recording machine that we can replay. What did you say, Jesus? He reminds us of that. So that's what the Holy Spirit does. John 15, verse 26. But I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And John 16, verse 7. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I go, then I will send him to you. So these scriptures and other things they would have remembered. Jesus is reminding you, I've told you that the Holy Spirit is coming. Now, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until this Holy Spirit, who's going to be doing these things, reminding you about what I've taught you, leading and guiding you into all truth, encouraging you and strengthening you. This Holy Spirit is going to come to you. That's the promise that my Father is sending. But I want you to wait in Jerusalem. Now, here's the thing. Many of you have read these stories before, and you're thinking like, yeah, 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 and we know what happens next. That's chapter 2. That's next week, okay? So let's just leave that next week and come down to today, where we are right now. And let's come into the framework of the disciples. Well, hang on. They've been taught stuff, as I've been saying to you, and they're wrestling with that. Jesus comes and goes. He's given them his instructions. He's telling them about the future, which is great, but the future is yet in the future. It's not the here and now. How are we going to handle all these things? Well, what's the mindset, do you think, we find in the disciples? And as we go through, we find a little bit of interest here because we get a glimpse into what the disciples were actually thinking, their thought process, if you like. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Has the time? So Jesus has been talking about kingdom. Jesus has been talking about sharing faith. Jesus has been talking about all nations. Jesus has been talking about baptizing and saving people and all this sort of stuff and preaching. He's been talking about all of that. And yet they come back and they say, yeah, it's almost like, yeah, 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 don't worry about that. When is the kingdom going to come back to Israel? You see, their mindset is just the mindset of that current age. Don't forget, they've got the Romans. They're thinking back to the days of when Israel was established. They're thinking back to the days of the kingdom of David and of Solomon when the temple was built and Israel was a nation that ruled and reigned and was the great nation and they were a nation before God and they had the temple and they followed the ways of God and that was good. They were looking back to those days and they say like, now we've got these Romans, life is hard, things aren't the same as they used to be. When are you going to bring it back so that the kingdom is ours? That's the mindset that they were stuck in. And I just find this, Jesus can often be expressing so much and there can be so much truth coming upon us and yet we can still be locked in the mindsets of this age. You know what? Right here and now, after another week of some intrigue as far as the the political scene is concerned, stuff going on, oh my goodness, our heads get so full of all this stuff. We just need to say, Lord, help me to come back to you. Help me to stay before you. Help me to listen to you. Help me to understand you. Help me to obey you. And simply do the things that you're calling me to do. For these disciples, as I say, they're looking at Jesus and they're saying like, well, right now, you, you've done all these things. You've risen from the dead. Are you now going to bring your sword of deliverance to us? And that now the government of Israel is going to come back under the priests of Israel? Is that what's going to happen? And it's interesting because Jesus does answer but he doesn't answer. 
because he says this. He says, somewhere here, he says something. He does. Yeah, sorry, I see there's another point. I was just going to say, and I will say this for you. Although we might think the poor disciples are a bunch of idiots, okay, it's like, why can't you get this? And that's partly because we know more of the story than they did at this point. It's also the fact that actually for them, something like Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, would have been ringing in their minds, where they'd have been reading this. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord's armies will make this happen. You see, although they're thinking like in present day things, there's things that anchor them in those present day things. Surely this is what has been written by the prophets. Surely this is what's going to happen. The government is going to be upon his shoulders. And true, the government is on his shoulders. But it's one of those things, it's not quite the way you imagined it to be. Because the government does rest on his shoulders. But not the governments of this world. They're resting on the shoulders of other things. So Jesus, rather than answering them directly, he simply says, look, the times and the dates that God the Father has set, they're up to him. So in other words, guys, look, all of that stuff about ruling, reigning, kingdoms, God knows those things, and, and those times and dates are up to him. But, in classic Jesus fashion, he says, but, let me just bring you back to something else. But, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Folks, can we put that in modern day language? You, us, all of us are called to be witnesses of the King of Kings in Bromley, in West Wickham, in Hayes, in Beckenham, in Shortlands, in Biggin Hill, and all over. And everywhere where people are watching online, wherever that may be, wherever we are, we are called to be witnesses. When we're going about our work, when our heads are filled with other things to do with work, our testimony needs to keep coming out. Because there's only two types of people in the world that we are interacting with. Those who are saved and those who are unsaved. Those who are saved have a destiny with God in heaven. Those who are unsaved do not. Their destiny is hell. That's the truth that we're dealing with. The truth that we know. The truth that's uncomfortable. But the truth that we have been called to help them with by giving testimony and living lives that are under the authority of Jesus Christ so that we can display him. Oh my goodness, time is moving on. So Jesus was giving this instruction. That's what we got to. The end of point one, his instruction was wait. I want you to wait here until that gift comes. I'll move very quickly through the next two points. Uh, point two, ascension into heaven. Well, we know that Jesus was with them and now he's, and he has come and gone, but there's something different about this day. Because after having downloaded those last few words to them about them staying and receiving power when the Holy Spirit comes on them, Luke records this, Acts chapter 1 verse 9, after saying this, this is Jesus, he was taken up into a cloud 
while they were watching and they could see him no more. So Jesus had been coming and going, but this was slightly different because now he goes up and he disappears in the clouds. And two angels came and spoke to the apostles. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. As I read that, I thought to myself, isn't it wonderful? When Jesus arrived, angels came to announce. When Jesus leaves, angels come to announce. And he didn't leave without leaving good news. By the way, he's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. You know, when you read the news and you think like, can our government do anything right? Is the pound ever going to rally? Are the gilt edge market? Is my pension secure? All of those thoughts that you might have had this week. Mortgages, are they going up? What's the Bank of England doing? Those sort of thoughts. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And we need to get hold of that because life is hard at the moment. And it's probably only going to get harder. But that truth does not change. In the same manner as he went, he is coming back. He is coming back for his people. He is coming back to bring an end of all things. All of the governments and stuff that we worry about here and now, cost of living crisis, fuel bills, which are affecting all of us. He's coming back to take us out of this, to be with himself. This is a glorious hope that we have, and it is a hope that we want to share with many people. So now these disciples had seen him return and it says that they went from Jerusalem, from the Mount of Olives, back to the room where they were staying. I wonder how they felt. Were they excited? Was it anticipation? Was it fear? Was it concern? They still had concern about the Romans and the rulers and those who were after them. So there was some concern, but they went back, I expect, with joy. Third point, constant prayer. Those people who returned to the room in Jerusalem they were these people, Acts 1.13. Here are the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. Now here's the interesting thing. They didn't sit around debating. I wonder what's going to happen next. What should we do? What should we talk about? Should we open up the scriptures? Should we sing a song? Should we have breakfast? No, they didn't do all of those things. They didn't have all those discussions. They came and they prayed because what they needed was connection with heaven. Prayer is earth connecting with heaven. That's what it is. I know we talk about prayer in many different ways. Simplistic terms, it's people who are living on this earth wanting to make connection with heaven so that the power of heaven can come down and help you here upon the earth. That is what prayer is about. And these disciples, they knew about that. They were constant in prayer. Uh, The next verse says, They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. So it's like Jesus' family and the apostles, the disciples, they all got together in this room and they were praying together. And they were calling upon God and saying, Lord, please, will you help us? Do you pray? Of course we pray. Do we pray often? Do we pray with that understanding of what prayer is about? Prayer is about bringing the presence of heaven 
down here and the wisdom of heaven down here and the blessings of heaven down here to help us. Sometimes when we pray, it feels like there's just no connection. It feels like the telephone line's broken. That's what it feels like, okay? Let's be honest. That's what it feels like. But listen, he listens. He cares. He loves. He is the lifter of your head and the lover of your soul. If you're outside of the kingdom, you don't know God, you don't serve him, he still loves you incredibly. He loves you so much that he gave his one and only son to die for you. He wants you in relationship with him. He wants connection with you so that he can establish his kingdom. His kingdom is the place where what he says goes. And he wants what he says to go in our lives here upon the earth that it can affect the lives of those around us to bring his peace, to bring his presence, to bring his glory to others. That is what he's looking for. So I want to encourage you. Okay, let's get back into Acts. Let's read Acts. Let's just see what he was talking. Jesus had prepared his disciples. This wasn't just like, oh, church, but you've never thought of that. Go and see if you can do it. It's like he's preparing them. Your task is to go and make me known. I'll tell you why we don't want to make Jesus known. It's not that we don't want to. We're just not sure what to say. I don't quite know where to start. That is the same for every one of us. So here's how we get around it. Just do it. Just start. Well, I might make a mistake. I might look stupid. Correct. But you might also be giving words of life to somebody who's never heard them before. Just trust that God is for you, not against you. Just trust that he believes in you more than you believe in yourself. Just trust that he has sent his Holy Spirit to give you power. Don't ask, let me see the power before I believe. Believe that the power may flow. Let him come and be God in your life. And let us stop trying to be God. Isaiah 59 verse 1 says, The arm of the Lord is not too short that he cannot hear nor his ear too dull, not too short that he cannot save, or his ear too dull that he cannot hear. But your iniquities, your iniquities. Listen, there are things that are not right in our lives that God wants to bring into rightness, as it were. Wants to make right, wants to change. One of those things is our abject disobedience, to be quite honest. He doesn't like it when we disobey him. He wants us to obey him. But he says, your iniquities have separated you from your God. I don't want separation. I don't want separation from God. I want connection. Therefore, I cry out to him, Lord, what are the things that are separating me from you? What are the things that I walk in that upset you? What are the things that we're doing that are not what you want us to do? Let's call upon him. Let's get into an upper room experience this week. Let's just simply pray. It hasn't got to be anything great. It's just saying, God, please, please come and help me. Please come and change me. Please come and assist me as we move on and we'll look at more next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at 
www.bromleytownchurch.com.